Hi, you're listening to Talking Strength with Kasil and Kumar. The only podcast that ties together the science of learning and training. No prizes for guessing who's who. Let's get on with the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode one of Shorts with Talking Strength with Castle and Kumar. Our first episode is titled Coaching the Process. Okay, welcome, everyone. So I think we want to start this one. We're just talking about why we're doing Shorts as a, as a version of our podcast. Uh, we obviously really enjoy doing the longer episodes, but you know, these the short, and, short and snappy ones, hopefully, are nice quick listens, quick wins for everyone, and, and we'll see what we can fit into... 15 or 20 minutes maybe on on one topic and we can go to town on it rather than uh, perhaps jumping around or, or trying to battle concepts that perhaps are, are quite quite complicated um but i suppose that i feel like the rationale for doing these shorts is probably a little bit closer to our rationale for actually doing the whole podcast in general versus you know having our guests on and and things like that and it's it's kind of stems from a lot of the short quick conversations that uh, nicole you and i have when Mm -hmm. we're in the gym we're training when we're taking far too much rest in between our sets and uh, just well talking shop basically about our phds or about things that we've seen on social media things we've heard in podcasts things that we've read in in literature on you know, in, in journal articles, in books, in, you know, seen on YouTube, various different bits and pieces. And, you know, those conversations, you know, whilst they're very informal, I think they're very useful. And, you know, it'd be nice if we'd have recorded them all as they were happening. So I think this is kind of our way of making up for it, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, a lot of the conversations we have, we keep, um, at the end of it, we keep saying, like, this would be good content for the podcast. And, Obviously, like when we have the guests on, we try as much as possible not to have anything scripted. So sometimes conversations might not encompass what we've talked about in the gym. So yeah, I think also this, um, like keeping it short, like this is also an easy way for listeners to quickly get something in the morning on their drive to work, on the drive back from work, or even during a lunch break. So it should work well. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that idea of things being nice and accessible, and uh, I'm aware we've been going for a couple of minutes now talking already, so we've we've wasted two. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna crack on, I suppose, with the the content and and draw some attention to the the title of this first episode, which is coaching the process. And I'm sure many listeners, you know, if, if you have any interest, maybe in in sport coaching, you might have heard a little bit about the coaching process as a as a concept and an idea. And I think just to avoid any confusion, um, uh, the idea of this episode that we'll, we'll go into a little bit of detail in a minute is, is not about talking about coaching as a process, but rather how we try to coach some kind of process or processing into our athletes or into our learners. I think that was, that's more the, um, just for a bit of clarity, I think it's important that we start with that, that we're not talking about coaching more broadly here. We're maybe talking about something specific um that we can actually kind of get into our athletes um, so that's kind of where this this episode has been titled of course we've asked for other suggestions as well so um just before uh, before i let nicole go on i just fire out a quick reminder that if you have suggestions for for other things that you want us to to talk about in these shorts then then fire them through on the twitter or um or on the instagram and we'll uh, we'll address them later we've already got some great ideas but um 
yeah, the, the more the merrier. Right, Mike. Um, so we initially started having this conversation when you just come back after shadowing one of the, I think was it the level one coaching certification as a part of a coach tutoring qualification that you're doing. Um, so if you just give us a quick recap of what you saw happening and then what sort of sparked the conversation Sure. So um, we'll actually go, we'll go back in time a few days before that and draw some attention to uh, a tweet uh, that I saw from a, a, a very good tennis player. His name is Stefanos Tsitsipas, um, uh, who a uh, very successful tennis player, but he had this, what's deemed to be quite a controversial topic at the minute. He had this, this opinion on this particular topic, which is that he thinks that in tennis, we should be allowed to coach in between points. So the rules of tennis would dictate that you can't coach in between points at the minute. Um, it happens a little bit on the ladies' tour. It doesn't happen on the men's tour. And at Grand Slam events, um, you know, bigger events and, and even junior events, it's, it's not allowed. There are some team events you can play where you can coach at the change of ends. Um, you may be able to, um, to, to coach a little bit kind of, you know, in, in rain breaks and things like that, but you generally can't coach when the match is going on. And for me, I kind of reacted, I suppose, quite negatively to that idea um, from, from Stefanos. And I, I have this notion in my head that I think rather than allowing coaches to coach players during competition, kind of right in the thick of it, we should probably be focusing our attention a little bit more on trying to help coaches to understand um, how they can create athletes that are, I don't want to say autonomous, but how they can get them to think for themselves a little bit more during competition so that the coach is somewhat irrelevant you know that then you know the athlete's not necessarily looking for all of those cues and all of that feedback and 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 all of that uh, reinforcement and you know looking for help and support it doesn't need to happen i you know that, there's a lot of undue stress i think that athletes end up under when they're doing that um uh, you know and and as as things normally are you kind of see things that you expect to expect to see when i went and shadowed a level one qualification as part of this this uh, certification that i'm doing there was this particular thing that popped up uh, that, that was being delivered and it was this conversation about process goals versus outcome goals, um, which was married to some psychology content. Uh, but the long and short of it was that an outcome goal would be, you know, the end product. So, for example, as a coach, if you were focusing on an outcome goal, it'd be I want the ball to land here. You know, we want the bar to finish here, perhaps we want the dumbbell to, you know, we want the dumbbell to finish in this position or, um, or something like that. The process goal would be something that's, uh, you know, would essentially enable the outcome. So try and move the bar in a straight line, swing your racket from low to high, um, you know, kick the ball with the instep of your foot. So it might be something that's quite heavily technical, in fairness, that tends to be quite, you know, uh, what, what the, the process goal focuses on. Um, uh, but the, the point that I really wanted to raise in, in during that, that certification was that, um, and unfortunately, and I, and if I, had, I had the ability to feed into it, was that if we can give our athletes, we can give our tennis players, whatever sport they're playing, what, you know, whatever, whatever activities they're doing, more of these process goals to think about, whether you want to call them technical cues or if you want to call them, um, if you want to call them process goals, as we're, we're talking about here, we can give them more of those to think with, but really particularly we can link them to a particular outcome that might happen. So for example, if the bar, I don't know, doesn't go down in a straight line, it goes, it tips forwards maybe on a squat, mm -hmm. the outcome might be that your weight is on your, is on your toes. 
Now you can do that as a, I suppose, as an S and C coach, can't you? You can see the bar moving and you can link those two things together, but wouldn't it be better if you could give them what that, you know, that outcome link it to the process that that's actually happening. So the bar is not moving straight. And so that's why your weight's gone onto your toes or something Mm -hmm. like that, but they can think about that themselves. So when you're not there and they feel that outcome of the weight is on my toes, they know, ah, it's because the bar is moving forwards, or at least that's one of the possibilities. And so that's, that's what what I mean by, I suppose, trying to help our athletes think for themselves a little bit more Mm -hmm. is to give them this information for them to, you know, to go into the gym or to go into any sport and performance and be able to be able to, to kind of, to coach themselves, I I suppose is the the phrase that I would probably prefer to use. One of the things I, prioritizing most with anyone I work with is I don't want to say it's like it's um, this idea of the process but more so giving them the tools to be able to identify what's going wrong why that's happening and what they can do to fix it because um, it ties into um, the conversation we had with um, Steph Morris when she was on and she was talking about this process of scaffolding and mm-hmm. how eventually you want to get to a point where um, one by one, you're removing the scaffold and your athlete at the end is not dependent on your constant cues where you're saying, um, push your knees out, keep your chest up, um, let the chest and hips rise at the same time. What you want is if an athlete finds that, um, say, their chest is dropping as they come up from the squat, they can identify why that's happening and try and fix that. Then that's your job done as opposed to just... Like one of the things I find annoying is like chasing numbers. The moment you help your athlete clean up stuff and understand why they do what they do, those numbers will follow. And it sounds like, I suppose, common sense. And it sounds uh, like it's brilliant on paper. It's a lot more complicated, I suppose, than we're making it out here. That's kind of the, you know, the dream goal is that mm-hmm. you give them these um, these little bits of technical info you can give them these process goals to think about whilst they're actually lifting or whilst they're actually performing but I suppose the complexity is there's lots of different process goals or technical technical cues if you want to call them that that could be the reason for a particular outcome happening so if I asked you as a, as a quick exercise now if I asked you um, what kind of things could be happening that forces someone to to kind of to tilt forward whilst they're squatting what kind of possibilities could that be it starts with this um idea of like weight distribution on the foot um and if you're if you're not able to keep your chest up so if your chest is collapsing the squat but i think like you said like it's not as simple as we make it out to seem but that's why it's important as a coach where we constantly say you don't have to be if it's tennis, a great player, a great tennis player, or if it's um, strength and conditioning, someone who's shifting massive weight. But what we want is that you have to be an individual who understands the movements, understand what the movement involves, the common faults, and how you can fix those faults. And that's the only way you can impart that knowledge onto your athlete, the individual you're working with. Sure. Uh, yeah, so there's there's so many different reasons why why the outcome of something will you know might not happen the way you want it to whether that's whether that's a number like you've said or if it is you know looking at a perfect technical model for example um you know there's so many different things that could actually lead to the same problem so if i give another tennis example 
a player hits the ball and the ball goes in the net. Well, there's more than one thing that could be making that happen. It could be that I swing my racket downwards towards the ball. It could be that my strings are facing downwards, even though I'm swinging upwards. It could be that I hit the ball at a nice trajectory, but I don't hit it hard enough to, to have the, the velocity to, to clear the net. Um, it could be that I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm, I'm trying to hit the wrong shot. You know, I could be trying to be too aggressive with the ball. Um, it could be that I've got too much topspin on the ball, so the ball comes down quicker. So there's, there's loads of different things that can contribute to the same outcome. To, to, to just to draw on you, the point you're making there, trying to help the athlete to understand what it could possibly be that's led to that outcome is, we'll call it a golden nugget. Mm-hmm. And that's what we really want to try and help our athletes to do is to be able to self-analyze, self-critique, to be able to um, uh, self-assess, self-teach, if you want to call it that. But in order for them to do that, we have to give them something in the first place. And I, I think that's really is the, the crux of this. Um, and if, if you take the theorist that I'm working with in, with, with my PhD and you, you, you take some of his work, he would talk, you know, he would very much talk about our role as being more knowledgeable than our athletes or our, 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 our players, um, our clients. Our role is to, to give that information you know they're not gonna you know they're not gonna be able to just discover it just for the sake of it um they're not just going to discover it from you know trial and error so it's not going to work like that you know we have to give them something in the first place so if you can give them some kind of a process goal to think about whilst they're performing a movement then they'll be able to use that themselves so it's called I suppose it's it's the internalization of of these messages that we're giving to our athletes that's super important. And how we facilitate that is is you know we'll certainly go down a rabbit hole and we'll need a lot longer than fifteen to twenty minutes. But um, you know, giving giving our athletes those um, those things to think about is the first stage of them then being able to think about them for themselves later. And I think a lot of people forget that they you know, yeah. focus on the outcome too much, like you say, and then we end up in a scenario where they're not achieving the outcome and uh, we've got, you know, we've got no idea why it's not happening. They get demotivated. Um, yeah, they're just not enjoying themselves. They're not hitting the targets. Right. And like you say, I think Steph had a really good example, you know, scaffolding mm-hmm. is, is a really good way of, of, of trying to get us closer to um, or get the athletes closer to being able to, to think for themselves a little bit more. You, also say then that obviously when you give them this skill set and this set of tools that it almost gives them a little bit of autonomy which then feeds into that construct of motivation which we talked about with Leah and she said obviously autonomy is one of the factors that helps regulate motivation yeah absolutely so if, if you've got a if you've got an athlete that's struggling with something if, if they've got a problem during a during a competition or they're in the gym by themselves and something's just not working. It's not fitting. Um, uh, you know, if, if they've, if they can overcome that problem thinking for themselves, there's a certain, you know, I, I imagine there's a certain amount of, there's a certain amount of, um, of motivation or there's like a, a boost of enjoyment that will come from the fact that they can kind of sit there and think, Oh, I solved that problem myself. You know that that level of of, of self reliance and autonomy, no doubt, will will boost motivation. And then, you know, uh, later on down the line, you know, they might use the same the same little technical cue, or they might use the same little process um, process goal, um, or they might use a, a different one that you've given them. But the more of them that you give, 
Um, as long as they're being internalized, the more that they can, they can use to actually solve problems. And so, yeah, with, with that in mind, over time, that motivation is only going to go up because they've got so many different ways of solving problems. Yeah, for sure. Right, Mike. So if you had to give our listeners, um, the coaches, a few key points, key takeaways, what would they be? So I think firstly, it's um, a point that you raised, actually, which is that as coaches, we need to we need to know our stuff when it comes to how the movements and how the skills actually break down. Um, you know, we can, we can observe one of our athletes performances and we can see where things have gone right and wrong. Um, and then we need to prioritize as, as these knowledgeable persons, what's, what process is it, you know, what part of that process is it that I want them to focus on? What part of the process do I feel is going to give them the most success at solving a problem and then our job becomes to try and give them that little bit of information. Um, and, and of course, to try and help them to make sense of that information, what it feels like, how it's going to have an impact on the outcome, which, of course, is the end goal. That's where we want them to be. But how it's going to have some kind of a positive impact and, and just helping to, to confirm how the athlete is using those little technical bits that you've given them to solve, to solve the problem in order to get closer to the outcome, even if they don't achieve it. Um, and over longer periods of time, I think that the final thing I'll say is, and it links back nicely to the first point, which is that uh, you need to know your stuff because then after one little process goal that you give them, there'll be another one and there'll be another one and there'll be another one. And you're going to have to keep scaffolding these in. And as you keep scaffolding them in, they become more competent and they become so competent to a point where they no longer need you to give them something new. They just need to kind of control the movements and, and, and build on the skills a little bit more themselves. So I think that would be, that would be my roundup of the, of the 15 minutes there. It's a useful set of tips. So that's it for episode one of um, the shots on Talking Strength with Castle and Kumar. Thanks for tuning in. And if you've got any questions or any suggestions of topics you'd want us to talk about, uh, drop us a message on the Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talking Strength with Castle and Kumar. If you've got any questions, feel free to drop us an email at talkingstrengthwithus at gmail.com. Or alternatively, follow us on Instagram at Talking Strength With Us. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>